0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Coach Bono's podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Coach Bono's Show. Check out the Facebook page. Just search for Coach Bono's Show. You'll find it there. We're always sharing some cool stuff there. And you can email us anytime at CoachBono's Show at gmail.com. This is episode 66, and we're a little late in this today, as we normally have Uncle Rico on. We record on either Sunday night or Monday night, as full disclosure here. I'm actually recording this on Tuesday evening. Um, I could not record last night. I had a lot going on, and wasn't feeling well. Uncle Rico was trying to stand by and help me out, and I appreciate you, Uncle Rico, Uh, but I went ahead and just recorded. We're going to do a little Coach Bo Rants version today, as I don't want to bother Uncle Rico and get him in here late on uh, on a Tuesday. He's got a man's got to work for a living too. So a little bit of a Coach Bono's rants. Uh, I want to say thank you. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. We did take the Point .5 off this past week. Um, Ellen was traveling with the holidays. We were hosting Thanksgiving. And so we just decided to take it off. And uh, Ellen will be back for the Point .5 this coming week on Friday. And uh, we'll be back to our normal schedule uh, as we get through these next couple days. So please bear with us. And we thank you for listening and for downloading and for asking where we're at. It's nice to know that some people are actually listening to the content. So thanks so much. What I want to do first today, I just like I said, this is going to be kind of a Coach Bo rant situation here. Um, it's Tuesday. I've had a hell of two days already. It's what happens. I should never take time off. For a holiday, I just worked through it. But anyway, um, I want to get on a couple small things and I'm going to talk at length on football. Uh, first, thing I want to say congratulations to uh, Team USA in the World Cup. They did win today on Tuesday, 1 nothing over Iran. Um, They'll be moving on to the knockout round and the round of 16. Congratulations to the U.S. Uh, men's soccer team for that. Wonderful news. I actually got a chance to glance at, like, the last 20 minutes of the game. And uh, I'm really happy for those guys. I, I myself, am not a big soccer fan. I'm starting to appreciate it a little more when I do watch it. But, I mean, obviously, like everybody else, I'm as patriotic as the next person. And then, also, you know, those guys have worked their ass off. And they're playing some of these best teams in the whole world. It, it's it is it's really something to see the U.S. being competitive at the World Cup and to do well, so congratulations to them. Uh, good luck against the Netherlands on Saturday. and hey, the next thing I want to talk about is also here on Tuesday. We've gotten the new college football playoff rankings uh, coming off of championship or coming off of Rival Week. Uh, we'll now go into Championship Week, which will be the next thing we've got uh, coming up this this weekend, Friday and Saturday. Uh, here's where we stand. Our top four right now, who's in, who's out? Top four Georgia is number one, Michigan, number two, TCU remained undefeated, they're number three, and USC has creeped in at number four. Um, number five is Ohio State coming off their loss to Michigan, and Alabama is sitting at six. Um, be an interesting week as we get into the schedule this week. I'm going to talk a little bit about that as we get in here. So. We're now down to championship week. So here we go. Uh, We have Friday night. We got the Pac-12 championship game, USC versus Utah. USC, if they win, they're in the playoff. Um, If they lose, they'll have a second loss in both to Utah. USC's one loss is to Utah. It's about six weeks ago in a game that Utah scored a late touchdown, went for a two-point conversion at the end, to win the game. It was actually kind of a walk-off situation. Um, That is USC's only loss. So USC has a chance to avenge their only loss and to solidify their spot in the top four. Saturday, 11 a.m., we've got TCU, uh, and they're going to be in Arlington against Kansas State. That's in Jerry World at AT AT&T Stadium. Um, It's simple. TCU, win, you're in. Lose, and this could drop you out of the playoff. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. The other two games that are going to impact this, Georgia is playing LSU in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta in the SEC Championship game. That's at 3 o'clock local time here in the Midwest. Um Look, Georgia's going to beat LSU. Uh, LSU really was the team that could have upset this whole deal, losing to Texas A&M last week. And everybody knows I'm an LSU guy. Losing to a and is pretty much an unforgivable situation now. They actually dropped clear down to 14 in the college football rankings. Um, so, yeah, that's a tough one for them. But if Georgia wins, they're going to be the number one seed. Even if they lose to LSU, which I don't suspect will happen, I think Georgia's in no matter what. I think even the loss to LSU, Georgia's the number one team in the country. I think they get in. The other game that can affect the playoff is the Big Ten championship game on Saturday night. Uh, Michigan and Purdue in Indianapolis is another big spread game. I think Georgia and Michigan are both like 16-point favorites in their games. I don't know the exact number. I'll have to pull that here in a moment. We'll talk a little more about that with the .5, but... Um, Again, I don't see Purdue giving Michigan a whole lot of problems. But again, Michigan wins, they're in. If they lose to Purdue, I think Michigan still gets in. I think the one team that can can get in still, if TCU or USC were to lose, I think Ohio State would get the the fourth spot. Um, Ohio State played really poorly against Michigan last Saturday. Michigan really took it to them especially in the second half of that game. Uh, I watched that game and Michigan was fantastic running the football. Michigan's offensive line looks like I, it looks like the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles. They're just big, they're strong and they get stronger through the game as the defense gets tired. Um so I again, I think two teams, Georgia and Michigan are in I think even with losses they're in, I do think that TCU has to win. If TCU were to lose, USC were to win, I think USC moves to three, and I think Ohio State takes the fourth spot. And most of that being because Ohio State has just the one loss, which is to Michigan. Um, having said that, I think K-State's got a really good chance against TCU. I don't know if they'll win that game. But they've played earlier this year. And in that game, it was 38 28 at TCU. I remember that game. KUK State got up ahead of TCU in that game. TCU came back in the second half. The big difference now is Kansas State's been great over the last three weeks since they've changed quarterbacks. Uh, The Adrian Martinez getting hurt. Kansas State's gone to the backup quarterback. He's played fantastic. And their offensive explosion has happened since then. I think that's going to be a game. I think if I was going to watch one for a competitive game, that's the one I would watch for a competitive game. Um, I think Friday night, Utah-USC is going uh, uh, to be a slobber knocker as well. Uh, those are two really, really good teams. I do think USC wins in a close game. I, I'm not going to pick Kansas State to win yet but I might change my mind before Saturday. So we'll see. I think that Michigan and Georgia will roll. And then the other game to look at um, is, I know some people are going to look at the Clemson-North Carolina game for the ACC championship. Neither of those teams are getting in the playoff. They're really just playing to get to the New Year's Six Bowls and see who's going to get that better bowl game. But the other one, and I'm biased on this, Tulane is going to be hosting the American Conference Championship game against UCF. UCF, the only team that's beaten Tulane this year, and Tulane has a chance to go from being—I'm sorry—it's one of two of Tulane's losses. They were two and ten a year ago. They are now ten and two. Coach Willie Fritz has been—he's interviewed for a couple other jobs. There was a huge rumor on Sunday. He may be getting the Georgia Tech job. Um, It looks like he was all ready to take it. The money was there. There was an issue about trying to coach Tulane this week and in a bowl game. He didn't want to give up on that team. And then a couple of other issues as far as guarantees and the length of the contract. And now he's not going to Georgia Tech. So Tulane dodged a bullet there and unbelievably... Uh, Coach Willie Fritz is still going to be around. They're going to be playing UCF. They're like a two-point favorite in that game. I look to see. I think it's a big deal for Tulane to get a team that was 2-10 two in 2021. Now in 2022, they're playing to go 11-1, win the American Conference, and they would be the highest non-Power 5-rated team, which means they would get a, um, a New Year's Six Bowl likely the Cotton Bowl against the Penn State would be a fantastic game. I'm even considering going to that game if Tulane wins. So um, I want to shout out Willie Fritz and everything going on there at Tulane. And then, again, we've got an exciting weekend of championship games. I think we'll see a couple of blowouts, but I do think we've got those three big games. Friday night's game, the uh, Saturday morning game, the 11 a.m. game. Well, I really wish the Big 12 were in the afternoon or the evening. I know the SEC has that 3 o'clock window and the Big 10 is at night, but it's just difficult to really pay attention and see an 11 a.m. game. I I think that's just the the, 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 the fan in me that has a problem with that 11 a.m. start. I just, yeah. So a lot going on in the college football ranks, ranks there. Hey, before we get going too far here, I want to mention one of our great sponsors here on the podcast, and that's Caesar Sportsbook. Hey, right now at Caesar Sportsbook, when you place your first wager, if you lose, you get 100% of your stake back as a free bet, up to $1,250, and win or lose, you also get extra rewards credits and tier credits, which can be used for things like um, merchandise or for trips to Vegas. Lots of cool stuff there on Caesars. Uh, I use the Caesars Sportsbook quite a bit. I love it myself. It's what I use, and I hope you'll enjoy it too. Check out our show notes. There's a link in there for you, and you can get with Caesars. You'll also get a small extra bonus for using our link as well. We appreciate Caesars Sportsbook for sponsoring the podcast and for being with us through the season. Next thing I want to talk about is a little bit of the NFL. Uh, usually Uncle Rico and I are going to be talking, you know, for an hour about what happened in Week 12. I'm going to just hit the highlights and kind of talk about what I see coming over the next couple of weeks, and then we will get um, more in-depth next weekend with Uncle Rico when he's back in as well. Uh, biggest things I want to hit on first, you know, local, the Chiefs. I want to talk about the Chiefs game a little bit. Chiefs win 26-10 to against the Rams. Um, Mahomes, I thought, played well, 27-42 to for 320 and a touchdown. I thought that Mahomes forced a couple of throws. I know, I think he had, he had two picks in that game or one. Uh, he had the one interception. But I, I thought he tried to force a couple of balls, trying to get a little bit cute at times. Uh, the interception was clearly on him. He was trying too hard to get a ball into Kelsey that really he had a guy underneath right in front of him that was a better who would have been a touchdown and was an easier throw, but I think Mahomes was trying to fit it in there to his buddy. Um, Overall, the Chiefs played well. I thought that Mahomes was lethargic, and um, I still think he's an MVP caliber guy. He's still, you know, right now, if you're going to argue MVP, it's hard to not argue for him. Uh, I think it's him and Jalen Hurts right now, and to see how that goes. Uh, But I, I... Chiefs were good they covered the spread they won by by 16. Um, you know the spread was 15 in most places I think I saw 16 the morning of um, and the Rams in that game were awful. you know they're playing a young quarterback. Stafford is out. Cooper Cup is out. The Rams defense played about as well as it's played in about a month but still they weren't much of a match for the Chiefs. the Chiefs are the number one seed right now in the AFC. And they're going into a really interesting game this week as they go to Cincinnati to play uh, the Bengals and Joe Burrow. We know who I am, who I like. I'm a big Bengals guy. Well, I'm a big Joe Burrow guy. Um, It's going to be an interesting game. The Bengals have gotten hot. They don't have Jamar Chase, but Burrow hasn't played much better than he's played in the last three weeks. And if they get a little bit of returning help, on the defensive side and another help on the offensive side. I think Mixon will be back this week as well. It could be a bit of a game. Uh, I do like the Chiefs to win that game, but we'll see. We're going to talk more about that on the point five as well. Um, but I wanted to kind of hit that the Chiefs game up first. The other thing, obviously we had Thanksgiving, we had the holiday, we had Thanksgiving football. And, man, the games were all pretty good this Thanksgiving. Uh, Bills, Lions, hey, look, we have talked since day one of this year, Uncle Rico and I both, about the Lions. We knew the Lions would not be a good team, a successful team. Let me put it that way. They weren't going to be a successful team. They weren't going to be a team that won 10 or 11 games and got in the playoffs. And at one point, it looked like Dan yeah, Campbell might get fired when they were like 1-6. and six. They're 4-7 and seven now. And they play hard. I mean, they this team plays for its coach. And they gave Buffalo everything they wanted on the field on Thursday. Buffalo won 28-25. And I'm telling you, there is not a more physical team, a team that wants to play for their coach, as much as the Detroit Lions. And that is a, a prime example of what Dan Campbell as a head coach is. Look, he is not the greatest tacticianer. He is not you know, Sean McVay with the fancy offenses and everything else. That dude just says, we're going to have grit, and we're going to come at you. And players believe him. They buy into him. He is becoming one of my favorite two or three coaches in the NFL. I think he is fantastic. But they really Buffalo played well in that game. It wasn't like they didn't play well. I mean, they scored 28 points, and they scored in every quarter. It was just that the Lions were like Rocky Balboa in their first fight. No matter how hard you hit them, you think you've knocked them out, and they keep coming and coming and coming. That was a fun game on Thanksgiving. The second game, the Cowboys kind of run away in the second half after the Giants really handled business in the first half. The Giants played the Cowboys really well for that first half of that game, and then in the second half, we saw the Cowboys run game and the defense. Folks, it's not hard to win in the NFL if you run the football. And we saw it. It was like the first half of that game, the Giants ran the football. They dominated the game. The second half, the Cowboys ran the ball better. They dominated the second half. And ended up running away with it, uh, winning 28-20. Uh, there was a late touchdown in there for the Giants. But the Cowboys ran going away. And what was a really competitive game, you know, in the middle. But... At the beginning, it was all Giants. At the end, it was all Cowboys. And it goes to show that you can't win a game in the first quarter. You can't lose it, but you can't win a game in the first. And you can't really win a game in the first half. you got to play well for four quarters, and the Cowboys did on, on Thursday. Last game, that Vikings-Patriots game. Um, I was watching this game, and I text my buddy Barry Kingery, who's a huge Vikings fan. And I'm watching this, and for most people, if you really aren't, if you're just a a regular football fan, you'll look at the numbers and you go, well, um, Kirk Cousins played well. He went 30 of 37, 299 yards, three touchdowns. He had one pick in the first half. He had the sack. But, I mean, not bad. And those numbers aren't bad. His QBR was 85. I mean, he's not a terrible quarterback. But I was texting with my buddy, and he's a Vikings fan, like I said. And, and the last half, the second half of that game, I'm watching some of these throws that Kirk Cousins is making. And receivers are bailing him out left and right. Um, I mean, just ridiculous. Uh, the catch that Rieger had, uh, the big 25-yard catch, Hawkinson's touchdown was a total bailout by him. Uh, Jefferson played fantastic, because Justin Jefferson is fantastic. Thielen had a touchdown catch that it was also one of those where a bad ball that Cousins shouldn't have thrown and got bailed out by good receivers. Kirk Cousins, I have said it for a couple of years now, every time the man cashes a paycheck as a quarterback, he's stealing money. This dude is just absolutely stealing money, and I think he is – he is the Achilles heel on why the Vikings will not go to the Super Bowl. You know, a lot of, you know, a big, sexy pick right now in the NFC is the 49ers. You know, I know if you listen to this, you know, Uncle Rico loves that 49er team and he loves Jimmy Garoppolo. And we got into it last week. You know, he said, Would you rather have Kirk Cousins or Garoppolo? You know, I'd rather have Kirk Cousins for the upside. But what my fear is, is Kirk Cousins. Is going to make mistakes. And against good defenses like the 49ers, for instance, they're really going to have some problems. And so I I do think the the Vikings are in trouble if they have to have a second round matchup with either the Eagles or the 49ers in the playoffs. Uh, They're going to have to right that ship a little bit. Cousins is going to have to get managed a little better. And they're going to have to run the football. Um, You know, Dalvin Cook got 22 carries. On Thursday, that's fine. You'd like to see that number, you know, 20-plus. I'd try to get him even more. Um, They also ran the ball with a couple other guys as well, 27 carries throughout the game, but the 37 passes. I want to see that come together a little closer. Let's get to 30-30 there, and let's take some of that off of Kirk Cousins. On the Patriots' side, I think that the Patriots looked a lot better than they have over the last month. Mac Jones played maybe his best game of the season. And we talked about this last week is what I thought Mac Jones was really good at. And I really heard some of this um, uh, from a couple other places on ESPN. And really the one that was was on uh, one of the podcasts was Dominique Foxworth saying that, you know, what Mac Jones does well, and I agree, is he can check the field For matchups, he plays that that Alabama offense, that Bill O'Brien offense. And when the Patriots do that, which is more of what they did with Tom Brady, frankly, and let Mac Jones get the ball out of his hands quickly, he's going to be more effective. When you try to have Mac Jones do a five-step drop or a three-step drop off of a shotgun snap, it is not going to go well. He's also not a guy who can throw the ball 40 yards or 50 yards down the field accurately. It's just going to be hard. So don't play the offense that well. If you get the big play because you've schemed something up, that makes sense. But just hoping he's going to throw it downfield doesn't make a lot of sense. In the end, the Patriots could use a little more of that rushing attack. Mac Jones played about as well as you could ask. He did get sacked three times, and that's a problem. Uh, most of those, I think, two of those three were really on him, from what I saw. Uh, but it's it's interesting. I think the Patriots played about as well as you could see him play. A big part with Kirk Cousins on the other side is he kind of let the Patriots stay in that game. So uh, I thought we had three really different kind of games on Thanksgiving, and they were all fun. So thank you to the NFL for giving us entertainment on Thursday. I'd like to see that Sunday's games were entertaining, but that would be a little bit of a lie. Um, My New Orleans Saints decided they don't want to play football anymore. Um, I'm going to go ahead, since it's just me today, and this is where Coach Bo is going to rant. I am sick and tired of my New Orleans Saints. Dennis Allen, this coaching staff, Andy Dalton, they got to go. Plain and simple. The Saints defense played incredible this past week. They held the 49ers to 13 points at home. The 49ers had to throw the ball more times than they rushed, 37 to 29. They held the 49ers that big, that great run game, holding three yards of carry, 3.3. They sat Garoppolo once. He goes 26 of 37. One touchdown, no interceptions. Jimmy Grappolo didn't play great. And that rushing game wasn't good. But the Saints offense is fucking terrible. I want to know who the fuck thinks it's a good idea. And I'm going to get I'm gonna get disgusting here. I'm going to get nerdy. I'm going to get naughty now. Who the fuck thinks it's a good idea? To make Andy Dalton the starting quarterback. 18 of 29, 204. That's a QBR of 52. It's a rating of 83. Um, I don't like the QBR number. I like the rating number, but it was horrible. Taysom Hill goes in at quarterback for one play, uh, one pass, 0 for 1. But let's get to Andy Dalton. Let's talk about this because I'm fucking done with this guy. This guy's 35 years old. He is a capable backup quarterback. This is a guy that lost his job in Cincy, who wasn't even that good in Cincy, has been in multiple places, and served well as a backup quarterback. I mean, he's been, in his career, like I said, a capable backup quarterback. Whether that's with the Bears or the Cowboys, he's been capable. But now he's with the New Orleans Saints. They brought him in this summer to back up Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston's healthy. It has become a coaching decision to not play Jameis Winston. Now let's be real blunt here. The New Orleans Saints are currently 4-8. They are 1-4 in road games. They just got beaten by the 49ers 13-0. The defense came in and utterly fucking dominated one of the best rushing attacks in the entire league and you can't put up a goddamn point not one point you couldn't get a field goal you couldn't get a touchdown Uh, Dennis Allen is a terrible head coach that's why he was fired by the Raiders and the idea and, and I could stick with him if he was to say, I got to know what I got in Jameis and play Jameis Winston. But there is no excuse now to not play Jameis Winston. This is the guy that's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, as will Dalton, as uh, Taysom Hill will still be on the roster. I don't know why the fuck they've spent any money on that guy. He ain't a quarterback. He's a tight end. But the guy with the upside potential. Is Jameis Winston going to make mistakes? Absolutely. Yes, he will. He might throw a pick down the field. You know, everybody talks about, well, he had 30 picks one year. Yeah, he had 30 picks one year. He had 30 touchdowns that year, too. Saints ain't scored a touchdown in two weeks. I'm done with this New Orleans Saints staff. Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator, he has been there. He was there through the whole Sean Payton time. They held off, they held over most of Peyton's staff with Dennis Allen. Uh, this offense is not a Sean Payton offense. If they want to run that offense, you can't run that offense with Andy Dalton. You just can't do it. He's not capable. Now look, we knew there was going to be a problem in New Orleans when Drew Brees retired. We knew it for the last two seasons of Drew Brees, because he was pretty well watched. But the Drew Brees, Sean Payton package worked for longer than expected because Sean Payton was willing to call plays around some of the issues Drew Brees was having. And that was really arm strength, not decision-making. Andy Dalton, look, he's no Drew Brees, clearly. But he doesn't make good decisions, and he doesn't have a good arm. I don't understand why in the hell we go the New Orleans Saints are not playing Jameis Winston at this point. He's not hurt. He has said publicly he can play. The Saints refused to do it. This is a this is a knock on Dennis Allen. It's a knock on the whole offensive staff. This team also has already traded their number one pick to the Eagles in the trade last year to move up in the draft to get Chris Olave. This team has Alvin Kamara in the prime of his career, Olave, who is a fantastic young player. You add Jarvis Landry to that offense in the offseason, he's played fairly well around some injuries. Um, But now the Saints are running the ball, and they run the ball. Listen to this shit. 22 rushes in the game against the 49ers. Alvin Kamara gets seven. He's the starting running back. He got seven carries. He had six receptions, but he had seven carries. Six rushes for Taysom Hell. It would mean they put him in the in the they put him in a quarterback and they run the fucking bullshit with him. Uh, Mark Ingram, who was brought in to be the third down back in the change of, you know, the the kind of change of pace guy with Kamara, that worked really well a couple years ago. He had four carries in the game. Andy Dalton had four carries. I mean, these are obviously scramble runs. But when you don't take your best running back and use that person as the bell cow, then you don't have the consistency in the team, the consistency in the run game. They're trying to gimmick this shit up. That's why we see Dalton come out and Hill goes in and play under the Wildcat. Look, that's a fucking gimmick. And the gimmick ain't working. You're four and eight at this point, and, and And the worst part is as a Saints fan, if they go on and lose the last five, and they go four and thirteen, got a top five pick, they don't get the pick. The Eagles do. It's just ridiculous. I know that the Saints thinking was well, they made that trade was: well, we're going to let Sean Payton, they have him under contract. They will have to deal him, and someone's going to have to give them a pick to get Sean Payton's rights to coach next season. Look, that might be the Cowboys. If it is, you're getting a late pick. You know, Sean Payton's not going to a shitty place. So you're not going to get a high draft pick. No one's trading you a top five pick. You'll be lucky to get a first-round pick. You might get a team give you a first-round pick. But honestly, they're not no one's giving you that at this point. I mean, maybe the Dallas Cowboys if Mike McCarthy really fucks things up at the end of the season. But it's gonna have to be a glorious fuck up for him to do that. So I'm just about had it with my, with my New Orleans Saints. So a little side rant there, but god damn it, I can't take it anymore. Other Sunday action. Again, Sunday's game's not quite as good. Um As we figured, the Dolphins run away from the Texans. The Jets run away from the Bears. Those are two teams that I think right now are playing their best. Jets change quarterbacks. Uh, Mike White is in at quarterback for the Jets after, you know, Zach Wilson has lost the confidence of his team. And the coaching staff really just says, hey, you've lost the team. We're going to make this change. Um, I don't know if that's going to be long-term. We'll see. But – Man, the Jets still ran away from the Bears and they ran away from the Bears in that game mostly because the Bears were down to um, backup quarterbacks with um, Justin Fields out, Trevor Simeon into playing a the quarterback. There was actually taught pregame that Nathan Peterman was going to be a quarterback. Um, if you got to play the Peterman, you're in some problems. So the Bears did not have a great chance there. Uh, as soon as I heard all that, I actually hammered the Jets, and laid the points on the sports Sportsbook. And I want to thank the Jets for covering that spread and making up what I lost on my LSU Tigers. The other team that I want to talk about real quickly, I've been really impressed with over the last few weeks, is the Washington Commanders. This is a team that has won six out of seven. The one game they've lost, they lost by three to the Vikings a month ago. Otherwise, they come out to shoot, they won the first game, then they lost four in a row, and we're all thinking, oh, my God. Ron Rivera is a hell of a coach. And with everything going on off the field with the commanders, the issues with management, the issues with the NFL, the lawsuits going on with Dan Snyder and everything going on, Ron Rivera somehow can close up the walls and the windows and get a team to focus. And like I said, they have won six out of seven. They, right now, um, if you look, they're in the playoffs the are the seventh seed. Let me look at this again here. Um, right now, they are the last team in on the playoffs. At seven and five, they would be the last team in. They still have a bye week coming up as well. Uh, commanders' remaining schedule is um this weekend against the Giants, back to back against the Giants with a bye week in between then the 49ers, Browns, Cowboys. So you got three division games and the team they want to jump ahead of is that Giants team and they've got two chances at them. You could with the especially with a bye week in between the the Commanders are in a good spot to they take the first one Go into the bye, get healthy, go into the second one and win. You're probably going to drop a game at San Francisco. But then the Browns, will see who they are with Deshaun Watson coming back, and we're going to talk about that on the .5. And then that last week, that Cowboys game, that's going to be playoff positioning for those two teams. And we know that rivalry goes back to the 80s. I mean, you know, the Washington Commanders and the Dallas Cowboys and that. It'll be interesting to see. The next two games are going to be huge for the Commanders. And if they win them both, they will make the playoffs. Take, mark my words right now. They win both, they're in. Uh, I've been really impressed with the, with the Commanders the last few weeks. Again, I think Ron Rivera has done a fantastic job. Another thing I wanted to look at this week and in individual teams from Sunday is the Eagles. The Eagles keep doing it. I have been so impressed with the Philadelphia Eagles this season. This is a team that we talked about early in the year. We said, hey, this team has a lot of great pieces, and it was really going to come down to Jalen Hurts. How is he going to play? Y'all, Jalen Hurts is playing at an MVP level. Sunday night's game convinced me that right now, the ten and one Eagles are the best team in the league. Uh, they run the ball, and they're not afraid to run the ball, and they have that great offensive line. And Jalen Hurts doesn't have to sit back there and throw the ball forty times, or thirty times. He is—he doesn't take a lot of sacks. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. When he does make a misfire on a throw, it tends to be outside, not inside toward the defense. It tends to be toward the, the end of the, the boundaries, and so it's a little, it's harder to get interceptions. It's maybe an overthrow, this kind of thing. But the, the biggest thing about the Eagles is the rushing attack. I, I'm going to sort of throw these stats at you. 49 rushes on Sunday, 363 yards They ran for three touchdowns, 7.4 yards per carry. Hurts himself ran 17 times for 157. Uh, Michael Sanders had a humongous game, uh, 21 carries for 143, two touchdowns. Uh, In the end, in the last second half of that game, the Eagles just took their will and placed it on the Packers. They had the lead at the half, and it was... You know, obviously Aaron Rodgers got hurt in the game. He was not playing well. You could tell his thumb is already jacked up. And then he has the rib injury. Uh, we're going to talk about that next. But I really am I'm so impressed with this Philadelphia Eagles team. If I had to place a bet right now who's going to be the Super Bowl champion, I would place my money on the Philadelphia Eagles. I know that Kansas City is explosive. I know Buffalo's explosive. Kansas City might be a better team than Buffalo right now. But what can stop them is a good defense, a team that runs the football, and a quarterback who not just can throw but can run. Jalen Hurts, to me, is the MVP of this league this season. I don't think there's any question about it in my view right now. Things can change in four or five weeks. But right now, Jalen Hurts right now is my choice for MVP of the NFL. And I think the Eagles are really, really good. They're the best team in the league, in my view. I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers for a second leading up to that game. Rodgers gets hurt in the game, has a rib issue of some kind. Um, I have not looked hard at it. I heard that he said it, the scans went well, and he hopes to play this weekend. Um, I think that right now the Packers are 4-8. and eight. Uh, five games to go. You've got to win all five to go 9-8. and eight. Not likely to happen, of course. Uh, their rest of their schedule is Bears, Rams, Dolphins, Vikings, and the Lions. I mean, Dolph- at the Dolphins, is going to be tough. Anybody goes to Miami in December, that's actually on Christmas Day. That's hard. And then you got to come back the next week and play the Vikings, who are great. And then, you know, you're playing the Lions that last week. I'm not counting out anything Anything Dan Campbell's doing. So if I'm the Packers, this is going to be controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway, I would bench Aaron Rodgers. Now, I wouldn't bench him per, for, for performance. And I wouldn't bench him because I think he's batshit crazy. Jordan Love came into this game late. And Jordan Love was throwing fucking BBs. He was throwing bullets around the, around the field. He went six of nine. Uh, two of the incompletions were just too hot to handle. I mean, just they were good balls. They just weren't handled well. Uh, he did have a touchdown. He averaged 12 yards an attempt. Um, I mean, I think you got to know what you got in Jordan Love because Aaron Rodgers might be done. Now, I know that he's got a huge contract. He's 38, and I know he's got a huge contract for next year. Um, I was listening to a couple different things about that contract. There's a lot of ways that both he and the Packers can get out of it. Uh, a lot of when they structured that contract was to pay Rodgers the $42 million he's making this year with some promises to next year, but it's really structured for next year to be almost voidable. I do suspect that it's one of those where they could mutually separate. Aaron Rodgers is going to want his near $50 million next year. But he could find that somewhere else or that could be worked out. Jordan Love's in the last year of his deal. I mean, this is year three. You got to know what you got. And I think the Packers are going to have to look at this and they're going to have to give Jordan Love some looks and say, okay, is he our quarterback moving forward, sort of like Rodgers was to Favre? And if so, put him on the field and find out. You're not making the playoffs if you're the Packers. You're just not. Plain and simple, you've got no route to get there. A 9-8 and eight team, if you win five in a row, ain't happening. An 8-9 team ain't getting in unless you're in the NFC South. So look, you're just not going to do it. This is not your year if you're the Packers. So what do you have to do? you got to see what you've got. You've got young pieces. Christian Watson's coming into his own. Aaron Jones is in the prime of his career right now. So find out what you've got with Jordan Love. To find out if you're completely rebuilding or if you are, or do you have your next franchise guy? I don't know what it is for the Packers. I don't think they know either. So to me, the only way to find out is to bench Aaron Rodgers because of the health stuff, the broken thumb, the rib issues, and you got gonna get this guy killed, he's 38 years old. There's no reason to have him out there doing all this. Bench him, sit him down, and let's move on. And Let's take a look at Jordan Love. The last game, Monday night's game. I, I got it, I didn't watch all of Monday night's game, I watched all the second half, I didn't watch much of the first half. Um, and the Colts lose to the Steelers 24 17. This is an example of why you don't hire interim coaches from outside. Um, Jeff Saturday, obviously, this team has bought into Jeff Saturday. Let me be clear about this. I'm not going to shit on the whole Jeff Saturday thing. I've already said on here, I'm of two minds about it. I like the idea if the players buy into it. They have. I dislike the idea of a guy who hasn't been in the building finishing up the season Because like, how is he going to know with what's going on with play calls and whatnot? And that's the issue. Late in the game, the Colts really were driving. They're going down the field. They have a chance to tie this game up or to take the lead if they want with a two-point conversion. And not calling a timeout with about 40 seconds to go when you got two timeouts. And you're not going to be holding back for a field goal. Ended up costing the Colts a lot of time and it limited their play-calling abilities. And in the end, they're hampered by the one guy that... <laughs> they're hampered by Matt Ryan. Monday night's game shows you everything you need to know about Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan at times makes throws and plays that are unfucking believable I'm watching the game, and let me pull it here. Late in the game, Ryan throws the touchdown pass. The touchdown pass to Michael Pittman was one of the best throws I have seen all season. It was perfectly placed. It wasn't a bullet. It wasn't too hard. It wasn't too soft. It it was a back shoulder throw that was thrown low and back. And Pittman, being a veteran, knew where to go to get the ball, and it was outstanding. That's the best of what Matt Ryan can be. The flip side to that is Matt Ryan's going to do Matt Ryan things. I heard this on the telecast. I couldn't believe it. So he had an interception, and he had a fumble. And at one point, Joe Buck said that was his 12th fumble of the year. But he had 11 touchdown passes in the season. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. 12 fumbles? How is that possible? So I looked it up. I went to NFL.com. I pulled the stats. Matt Ryan's fumbled the ball 12th. And then he hasn't lost all 12. He has five lost fumbles. But he has fumbled the ball 11 times this season. 11 times he's fumbled the ball. He's thrown now at 12, and he has 12 touchdown passes. That is Matt Ryan doing Matt Ryan things. That's what I've been talking about for years. I've, I know Tyler Jones and I have joked about it. He was like, what, what do you have a, your deal about Matt Ryan? But the deal about Matt Ryan is Matt Ryan does Matt Ryan things. He has 12 touchdowns in the season. He has 10 interceptions. And he has 12 fumbles, five of them lost. He turns the ball over too much. Look, he's 37. And this is the guy who was an MVP in the league. I mean, look, his MVP season, he was fantastic. That was the Kyle Shanahan year. They get to the Super Bowl in Atlanta, and 28 to 3 happened, and Matt Ryan ain't been right since. I mean, he's like a he's like a like a boxer who got punched in the nose way too hard, way too many times. Um, and I'm glad for Matt Ryan, he's gone and gotten his money in Indy. Good for him. But that's the issue, is that he's not going to be the guy who can win a game for you. And matter of fact, he's a guy who might lose it for you once in a while. So I I look at this and I go, well, yeah, the, the Colts deserve to lose that one. I think the Jeff Saturday thing is not a bad deal overall, but... You combine the, the 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 chef in the kitchen not doing a great not being experienced enough to handle the, the crowd and the circumstances and the quarterback being the waiter who fumbles the staff who fumbles the damn tray, it's a really rough deal all around. Um, speaking of that Jeff Saturday piece, I want to talk about this is not just in the NFL, but it's also in college as well. I had some thoughts. I watched a shitload of football over this weekend. With Thanksgiving, I didn't go out and do a whole lot. I watched football all weekend long. And I got a couple of things that I think are driving me crazy. Coaches do not know how to work the clock. We saw it with Jeff Saturday thing. That was sort of the big one on Monday. We saw it Sunday night. I saw it two or three times on Saturday. I don't get why coaches don't have somebody in their ear saying when to help these coaches call timeouts. It's really bad. On a Saturday, maybe it was Friday, in the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, um, Lane Kiffin calls two timeouts in a row before running a shovel pass to try to tie that game up. I mean, just first it was an awful play call, but then secondly, he had to call two timeouts to get his players right and to get to that play call? I just don't get it. I, I know that, you know, and I've coached at much lower levels than these guys. These guys are making quick decisions, but it's something that needs to be talked about. I don't understand why big time Division I college football coaches, these guys playing for playoff positions, you know, or, or New Year's Day ball games, or these guys in the NFL, they're just passing this idea over. They're not talking about it with their coordinators. They're not talking about it. To have a sideline guy to work with you on the timing pieces. This is an important part of the game. And I know that coaches are starting to take some of the statistical stuff and take that on. But this one's something that these coaches have got to learn better. And at both the college and the NFL level. We saw it really cost the Colts a chance at the game. We saw it cost Ole Miss a game, and just really, really bad. The last one I got, the last of these two points, is the other thing that, that college coaches, they've embraced this idea of the, the the numbers, and a lot of them have embraced the idea of going for fourth downs, especially at home. They're 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 thinking we can get this one yard, this two yards, even three or four yards in some cases. And they're unnecessarily taking risks when you're in a field goal range. I, I wrote it down that and I kept saying it over the weekend, I think I said it on Twitter. Coaches are allergic to field goals. I don't get that either. I get it that sometimes you're trying to get momentum or you're you're Fourth and one at the 15 or 18 yard line, and you're thinking, "Hey, man, we can get the take, we can get this first down and roll this into the end zone." But now you can't settle for a field goal later. You got to go all the way down. I've seen this cost Buffalo this year on a couple times. I've seen it cost Buffalo really a game already. Um, they, downs where they've gone for it on fourth down inside their own 20. And even if they get it, they then get inside the five. And because they didn't kick the field goal two minutes earlier, now they're not gonna be Debbie Damn to kick the field goal now. We're gonna go for it again. And you either turn the ball over or turn it over on downs. Uh the Eagle, that uh, the Eagles, the um the Monday night game, the Colts did the same thing happen where they get up, kick a field goal, and I remember watching this live. Jen's sitting next to me and we're and we're talking and there was a penalty on the play. And Jen says, well, they're going to get a first down. And I said, no, 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 don't take the points off the board. Because now you're within three. They were down six at the time. They got them within three, and there was plenty of clock left. I mean, they were in the middle of the third quarter. And what happens? Matt Ryan does a Matt Ryan thing two plays later and throws an interception. A red zone turnover after you took points off the board. There's a difference if you're thinking about, you know, a 50-yard kick or there's a weather issue. I get those. I get that. I get the issue if you're thinking about, um, you know, we got to get a 10-point a game down to seven. Take the field goals, guys. Take field goals. You know, if you're down 13 and there's still a quarter to go, boy, it's a hell of a lot easier to take the three – and come get a touchdown and a field goal in the next quarter than it is to try to get two touchdowns. It's like coaches who was I saw this weekend went for a two-point conversion in a game and didn't need to. And I was like, what are you doing? And it's just unnecessary on some of these things. Coaches are getting in their own way to not take points when they can get them. So... A lot of craziness going on out there, and I just – we're going to talk more about this point five. and Uncle Rico will be back on uh, Monday. We'll talk more about it then as well. Uh, with that, we're going to get out of here. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you so much for being patient with us this week. I want to thank Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox, for all you do behind the scenes. I'll be on the Jones Report this week as well. I get the gloat because I went 8-1-1 one, and one in the pick segment this past week. Um, so enjoy, get in there and enjoy that with me. Uh, most importantly, as always, I want to thank you, the listener. Don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, We appreciate every five-star review. It does so much to help us. Also, tell a friend. If you've got someone who is a sports fan and they're looking for some kind of new content, share the Coach Boat podcast with them. See if they'll like it. Uh, we'd love to have some more listeners. We'd love to have people interact with the show as well. So check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram, on Twitter. We're always out there doing some other stuff as well. So until Friday, I'm Coach Bo Brian O'Connor. Have a great week, everybody. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. Take care, everybody.